Welcome to the Future Belongs to Creators. I'm your host, Nathan Berry. I'm the CEO at ConvertKit, and I'm joined by my co-host, Barrett Brooks. He's the COO here at ConvertKit, and we're on a mission to help creators earn a living. This show is about turning anxious energy into creative output during times of uncertainty. Welcome to episode 96 of the Future Blocks to Creators. Today, we're going to do a recap of 2020. Since it turned out exactly the way that we predicted, we figured it would be fun to just dive into how accurate our predictions were. And by that, I mean nothing turned out how we expected. Adam. How could it? Um, <laughs> how could it? But it's good to go through the process of just you know reflecting on the year and all that. So but before we do that, Barrett, how are you doing? I'm good. Today, you know, it's like the time of year for slowing down, chilling a little bit. I'm sitting for the podcast. I don't normally sit, but yeah, it just feels like right. that kind of thing. I also have an injury that just won't go away. And so I can't figure out whether sitting or standing actually is better. What else is going on? Had a good weekend, went for a hike, got the kid outside. He, I'm, I have on my list today to write a little essay about his level of joy uh, once we got outside and we like started hiking because I want to remember it forever. But yeah, wrapping up the year. How you doing? I'm green. <laughs> Good. That, glad that we could put a color to it. Uh, I am green as well, except that. So we went up to the mountains for the weekend, which was really fun. And I'll get into that in a second. As it relates to today is I turned the heat down in my office a lot before I left. And it has not been able to catch up. So I'm very cold still, and it's 1 p.m. I've <laughs> got my slippers, i got my sweater. It's still not enough. Let's see, this weekend, though, yeah, we went up to the mountains to McCall, Idaho, for anyone who knows where that is. Just a little rented a little cabin, did some sledding. All of that was great. We picked a sledding hill that was, you know, I thought a good spot. Mm, um, did you know? This nice grassy slope that just continues along. Beautiful view of the lake. Uh-huh. Uh, emphasis on the lake. And then what uh, happened? <laughs> well, we were there. We were there for a couple hours one day. It was great. Uh, the next day I came back, just me and Oliver in August. Mm-hmm. It was also great. Mm. And, you know, it's just one of those things where you have to know to bail before you hit the lake. Right. Um, which everyone had successfully done many times. But August, who's six, switched sleds to one that apparently worked perfectly for him. He had a trouble, like he'd get near the bottom and it would spin out and, you know, stuff like that. But this sled was just straight as an arrow and fast, way faster than he expected. And so he just, one of the times was like, oh, okay, he's going to stop. August, make sure to stop. August, and he's just straight out onto the lake, Um, which (laughs) luckily it's really shallow. But that was one of those things where I like ran into the lake after him. It only got up to about my knees, but he was just sitting there in that sled, like, and it just started taking on water and sinking. So he made it about probably eight, eight, maybe 10 feet out into the lake because the same principle as water skiing worked pretty well. So that was the weekend. I rushed to get him home in front of the fire, but it was all good. That's my story. <laughs> this reminds me, I think I think we still have 30 seconds of, uh, of throwaway time at the beginning. Anyways, the ski resort that I go to every year where I buy my season pass, they have a big party at the end of the season where they have a pond skim. Yes. And they 
carve out a big old hole in the ground and fill it with water and people ski down in costumes and see how far across the little pond that they can get in their ridiculous costumes. It's amusing. Uh, yeah. That's my story. I would not recommend doing it when it's uh, 20 degrees or less outside, which it That makes sense was. to me. <laughs> uh, also, I will just say that I have to show off my, my shoes today have snowmen and gingerbread men and presents on them. So I just great. thought you all would appreciate that for the live audience. <laughs> oh, man. All right. Well, with that, let's dive into talking about the year. As I mentioned in the intro, the year didn't turn out as planned for anyone. And I think it'd be really easy to just be like, well, that didn't work out how we thought. Let's just dive into the next thing. Next year will be better or different or something. And we just move right along. And actually the coaches that we work with at Reboot, you and I didn't do this, but Ashley, one of our coworkers did. They put together this big like recap of the year thing. It was like a facilitated thing for maybe three or four hours. And it just made me think that that's a really healthy thing to do is to recap and look back and, and uh, celebrate the wins and, and grieve the losses and everything else. So I just wanted to start with a little bit on end of the year, 20, let's say it's end of the year, 2019, January 1st, all of that. What were some of the things that we had planned either personally or on the work side that didn't come to, come oh to my pass? God. Uh, I'm trying not to say everything. Well, <laughs> okay. So the first thing is I was out on parental leave and you were about to go out on parental leave at the end of last year. Yeah. So Ev was born the end of November. Mm-hmm. And Josiah Thanksgiving was, day. Yeah. Josiah was born the first day of the January 1st, the first day of the New year. Year's Day. We had holiday babies. Yes. Um, and so right off the bat, we knew it was going to be a slower start to the year for the two of us. I guess in some ways, in other ways, a much faster start to the year, I suppose, depending on how you look at it. Uh, and so we knew we needed to like temper our expectations a little bit for that. We had a lot of plans around events around, you know, retreats with the team, um, our normal board meetings and trips with our leadership team. None of that came to pass. What else were we planning on? We thought that our goal was to hit 500,000 free accounts. Um, We're sitting at more like 250,000. So we've done about half of what was a nice round number that we kind of pulled out of thin air that we had no baseline for. So that's an interesting one. What are some of the ones that come to mind for you? Yeah, I think of Emily just called out craft and commerce um, in the chat. That w- that was one you know that we really expected. Just to grieve that for a second, that was especially the year that it's always starting a new event is hard, and then it takes momentum for any creative enterprise. And twenty twenty was the year that we really felt the that we had momentum. Like selling tickets was really easy lining up speakers. It was just an established event, and it was like, oh wow, we've been working towards this. So that was a huge change when that when that didn't happen. You know, early in the year, something I feel really grateful for is that we got a team retreat in. It's true. Um, late February, what we had a team retreat. There was talk of things going on all over, but you know, I think there were just starting to be the first couple confirmed cases in the United States. Mm-hmm. There was like one popping up in Seattle, one popping up in Chicago, kind of thing. And so, yeah, we got that in. But that was kind of, we were basically starting the year and saying, okay, we're going to go all in on a free plan. 
we're going to make ConvertKit accessible to far more people. And then we're going to go to all these events and conferences and promote it and, and everything else. Yeah, I guess I guess the team retreat was kind of the last normal like thing that went according to plan that mm-hmm. happened this year, really. And even that, like a third of the team got sick with something resembling what could be uh, construed as coronavirus or the flu or something like that at the retreat. Yeah. So who knows? Yeah, and that was... That was definitely interesting. And I went basically right from the retreat. I went to Hawaii and did a family vacation in Hawaii. And it was one of those things, like, I feel like in those few days or or the week we were in Hawaii, it went from, this is going to be a problem to this is really a problem. (laughs) And even then it's crazy that all the, the case numbers were so tiny. Yes. As a reminder, so like, on craft and commerce. And we talked about this on the show. I mean, so the reason we started this show, so this is one of the first things that was unplanned was this show. There was like a series of things that we did. One of the things we highlighted was um, how like voices or people that we trust being present in our lives through media is a really powerful like support mechanism um, when you're part of a community. And so we talked about things like news anchors helping walk you through uh, challenging times uh, in the world or your favorite podcaster, like being there with you as you go through a journey. And so we wanted to create that kind of environment here. And early on, if if for those of you who have been listening all along, like Emily, we were podcasting daily, number one, and we were giving regular updates on just kind of like what we were seeing. We were probably a little bit out in front of like, hey, you should wear a mask and some things like that. And our criteria for not having craft and commerce three months in advance uh, when we were making the decision was 5,000 total U.S. cases. That was the credit. You mean daily, <laughs> daily cases, no, right? Cumulative <laughs> no. cases in the United States. And that is such a helpful moment in time reminder to put in context where we are today. There are currently 200,000 new coronavirus cases a day in the United States with approaching 3,000 deaths a day on average over the past 14 days or so. And they think it's going to get worse uh, because we're still catching the back end of the Thanksgiving holiday and uh, about to have another spike, they think, from the Christmas holidays. And so, I mean, it's just wild how much things have changed and, and how useful it is to have done exactly what we did, create this environment where we can all go through it together and be able to look back and and see it in context at the time. So just to put those into more specific numbers, that it is not quite, as Charlie pointed out in the chat, 5,000 an hour. It is 5,000 cases every hour and 40 minutes. In the United States, that is wild. and so exactly as you said, having that that snapshot, and this is why we write down goals and um, a lot of the reason that we blog and journal and all of these things is because uh, like you become so acclimated to change as it happens gradually that when you have that written down, you know, on the positive side of like, wow, remember when my goal was to be able to make $50,000 a year as a creator, right? You have that written down and you're like, we've made so much progress. And then on the other side, you can have it written down of like, that's cute that I thought that that was, that that right, was possible, right. you know? Yep. And, um, you know, so I guess to bring all that back to, um, 
Craft and Commerce, you know, we canceled it. We stuck exactly to the criteria we laid out. We canceled it three months ahead of time. Let everyone know. It's interesting to think back how many people were so antsy for us to cancel. I mean, we were quite, I'll I'll pat ourselves on the back for how responsible and forthright we were with our decision-making criteria and how far in advance of the event we canceled. I mean, there were a lot of events that were canceling like the week before and really trying to string it out and see if they could put something together. And so we went from canceling to immediately trying to figure out, all right, do we want to do a, a digital version of it? And that was one of the things we decided against, but that was because there were other things that we were working on at the time. So what were some of the things that that we did early on as the pandemic came into focus? Yeah, well, the first thing is it felt like you and I were just checking in constantly to try to figure out, okay, what should we be doing? How are we taking care of the team? How are we taking care of everybody, um, the community, et cetera? And that's when I think it was like a Wednesday evening. You're like, hey, what if we did something to take care of the creator community? Blah, blah, blah. A few more sentences about it. Maybe we could call it the creator fund. And then I think it kind of sat there of like a couple replies in Slack of like, oh, that would be cool. You know, and it's totally in this like, oh, yeah, yeah, you know, the vague hypothetical sense. And then you and I talked the next morning and it was just like, okay, but why wouldn't we do it? All right, let's just, let's just do it. And so we used ConvertKit to make a landing page and an application form, set it up, chipped in 50 grand ourselves to, to start it off and then started texting and messaging friends and other companies saying, Hey, if they want to contribute and it just, it blew up immediately. I should have pulled up the final numbers, but I think it's over $250,000 that total was raised and distributed, uh, in $500 Mm -hmm. chunks to creators in need to pay for, you know, childcare, groceries, rent, medical bills, any of those things. It, It was, it was insane. The response from it. Yeah. Yeah, it was basically stimulus checks before those were a thing from the government. I think the hardest part about it was seeing the degree of need in the creator community. I mean, we, like I will not at all diminish the impact we had. I mean, that's a a lot of people. That's 500 people who were able to get some assistance financially at a time when things were really up in the air and there was no certainty about what was to come. But the degree of need was probably 100 times as big, you know, and we saw four or five times the applications for what we could fill, which was, you know, heartbreaking. And and it's just like, okay, well, you know, we did our part and thankfully other companies came on and they did a lot too. You know, Facebook operates at a different scale. I think they put like a million dollar fund aside to help small businesses and things like that. But it felt good. I think for us, especially meaning like you and I, it felt really good early on to take control of the things we could control. And so we looked, all right, are we okay? You know, is the business okay, first of all? Because if the business doesn't exist, we can't support the team, we can't support the, the community. Business was okay. So, and what were our plans if if it became not okay? Then it was, all right, what's the deal with the team? We put in place leave policies. We made sure everyone had what they need needed at the time. We did the creator fund. We launched the podcast to support the community beyond, you know, direct financial assistance. And then we got to work in the product too. You know, we, we accelerated a lot of stuff in the product this year, kind of in response to the economic circumstances. Yeah. So two things that I want to talk about there. The first is that we immediately started making our free plan more valuable. Like we saw a lot of people, you know, jumping in. We had eased into the free plan because we didn't know how it would be. We didn't know the demand on support. We didn't know the contraction of people downgrading all of these things. So we'd started where it was just landing pages for free. And then it was, 
you could get email sending for free if you invited a friend, you know, and referred a friend. And then it was free email sending for everybody and up from there. And right in line with the pandemic, when everything was started, we decided to go to 500 subscribers for free for everyone. And then two months later, we bumped that to a thousand once we realized that like, okay, our business can support it. And so that was the first big change. And it was basically like everyone is, you know, taking with their gyms and yoga studios and everything else they're taking online right now. And let's make sure that we have a, a really, you know, we're giving away enough for free that, you know, they can do that on our platform. But then the other side of it was like, right, but people need to make money right now. Mm -hmm. They have whole income streams that got shut down and it's actually still fairly hard to set up a way to, to make money online. And so that was one of those things that I remember we talked about it kind of back and forth some of like, should we, we have these plans to build, you know, our own commerce functionality and, and the ability to sell products. Should we accelerate that? And I remember specifically it was April 15th that we came together as a leadership team and said, yep, we're doing this. And we put a designer on it that day and got a, a designer product manager on it and mapping that everything out that day. Engineers followed shortly after. Uh, and then it took us 90 days. It was from April 15th to July 15th before customers were using it to make money on ConvertKit. And that was entirely because of we had planned to do that down the road. That was on our 2021 yeah. product roadmap. But then we saw like, okay, wow, creators need this now. Let's build it yeah. right now. Yeah. And that was where one of those principles I think we shared came out of it. That was, uh, I'm trying to remember the exact wording we used, but something like when circumstances change so that a future plan is more valuable today, accelerate future plans or something like that. And that's been really, really valuable to continue to hold as a thing that we can use to our advantage is the value in having long range plans is that you can accelerate them when the market shifts or when plans change or when the environment change changes so that you need to, or want to move it up. It's already out there. So it's not this weird thing that you're doing, but we had a lot of debate. I mean, we had healthy debate over whether we should do it. I'm not, couldn't be happier that we have now because now going into 2021, there's been a lot of change in the creator market too. And we should get into some of that this year of just our place in this market has changed. And that's a mixture of new entrants into the market, companies being acquired and growing more rapidly, becoming part of bigger entities. So consolidation, and then also convergence of just so many different companies kind of coming at the creator economy in a different way um, or from a different starting point, I should say, but ending up at a very similar place in terms of basically website building, publishing, audience building, and selling products online. Uh, and I think that's just the nature of the show is named what it is for a reason. The future belongs to creators is the core of a message we believe, which is that this is just what the economy is going to do. It's going to become more digital and it's going to become more creative over time, especially as we automate more and more, as we see the limits of essentially the the physical product GDP model that requires never ending growth of product sales in order for economies to continue to grow. You have to shift digital in a finite physical resource world. You have to shift digital with the economy in order for that to continue to work. So it was an inevitability and luckily we were in a good place to continue to capitalize on it. You know, something that you you said with the name of the show, I want to reflect on that for a second because I think there's a, a principle that we can take away from it. 
Um, when we decided, hey, we want to start a show. It'll be a daily show. We want to help creators get through this and navigate. The name was not The Future Belongs to Creators. And I'm actually struggling to remember what it exactly was. It was quarant- Create from Quarantine, <laughs> I think, is a name that we almost went with. I think we even bought the domain, um, which, you know, buying domain is, is such an impulse thing now. That, but not, that's a huge step. But then you, so we talked about that end of the day, you know, one day. And then the next day you came back. And I think you and your wife, Nicole, had had a conversation. And what I remember it being was, one, don't have a name that is kind of negative, right? And quarantine is is a, you know, not a positive term. But the other thing is, it's got to be bigger than that, right? The future belongs to creators, which is a, a saying that we've used a lot, implies something much bigger and long lasting, and it can grow into something. And so it was that and that we actually just didn't know how long quarantine would last. Yeah. And so it's like, is this going to be a show for two months? And then we move, you know, like if we want this to last, it needs a name that can last. Mm-hmm. And so I think that that combination of when current circumstances change, so you should accelerate future plans. That's one side of it. And then when you do accelerate those plans, you decide to take action on something, make sure you do it in a way that can last and, and sustain rather than being such a moment in mm-hmm. time sort of thing that you're going to have to be changing the name or the structure of the format those current circumstances are no longer as relevant. Yeah. Yeah. And it's been interesting to see the show change over time. You know, we started with the daily, daily format where we were doing topics four days a week, 30 minutes at a time. And then Q and a Friday, just like we do now, we had a lot of conversations about what should we, should we change the format? What should it be? And I think that's been a success is having a a topic every week and Q and a every Friday. And now it's going to evolve again uh, in the new year with the new host, with Charlie and Haley and Miguel. And I'm excited for that. You know, they have a big vision for what this can be. And really, I think they're going to be able to take it to the next level of embodying what the name means and, and what it represents. And I'm really excited about that. We can get into more of the creator economy stuff. I actually want to go back to end of last year one more time and remind us of where we were, which was one big decision that shaped a lot of our time this year. And that's that we had a lot of debate at the end of last year uh, about our leadership principles as a company. And I mean, it, it was, I would, I would call it like a, a pivotal moment, a crucible moment, I think, for the company in terms of just the leadership team being on different pages in terms of what we were building and how we were building. And so we got to these, these principles of being a product-driven growth company, of helping people be the best version of themselves by working here, creating financial independence for every teammate, um, and always keeping creators at the center of what we do. And that helped us get outside of what was previously a hard and fast rule on number of people we were going to have at the company. And so we were still very much in the throes of that debate coming into the new year, uh, or kind of like closing out that debate and opening ourselves up to this new, kind of more unknown future of nuance, you know, in terms of adding people to the team, but still sticking to the principle behind what we were aiming for. And so I think we've added a net of, I don't know, 12 people, 15 people this year, something like that. Cause we're, or maybe it's more like 11. Yeah. But for a net number, we ha- we have more who are starting right. soon, you know, starting, uh, we have a few uh, accepted offers out that people starting in January, but we're, we're only at 58 people on the team right now. And so it's interesting that even in breaking away from a hard rule of like, we're capping the team at 50 people, 
we're still, you know, 11 months, 12 months after that, we're still only eight mm-hmm. above that. And we'll be adding more and we'll, you know, we'll grow to a little over 70 people next year if we, you know, execute on all of our plans. But it's still not crazy fast as far as For sure. the rate that we're adding people. Um, we've de- we're definitely growing people at a slower rate than we're growing the company. You know, I think we've grown grown revenue this year or MRR, I should say, uh, like 33%. And we've grown the team at a little under 25%, probably something like that, or 20%. So that feels pretty good to me. Uh, you know, we're continuing to pace at really good scale. We've got to get better at that, you know, to reach our goals. But the people thing has been a big part of our focus this year, you know, and this is kind of some of the sausage making behind the scenes of bringing software to market that's going to enable creators to earn a living is you got to have the right team in place. And so we've spent a ton of time this year recruiting uh, and trying to fill really key roles. And two of them have been on our leadership team. Um, From the beginning of the year, you made the decision you were going to take a step back from leading product day to day and hire director of product. And you were going to step fully into like CEO mode, which was really exciting. We found someone and she joined the team. She was great. We loved working with her. She ended up leaving the team. And then we had to restart recruiting. And so she joined after we had gone through a couple different cycles of trying to find someone. We found the right person. She joined, she left. And then we were right back to square one. It's like, oh, this devastating blow. You had just gotten used to it. You were like enjoying the transition. You know, there was like a lot of good movement across the company. And then we had this step back. And so one of the big wins, right, at the end of this year is that we have now refound uh, what will now be a VP of product at ConvertKit, who will start at the beginning of the year, which is really exciting. That's a lot of momentum. And then the other big people change was our director of engineering left, right? And so if you think of kind of the halves of a company, there's the, the product and engineering side that builds everything. And then there's the growth side of the house that brings it to market, grows the customer base, takes care of them. And then you've got your ops team who supports everyone with, you know, finance and HR and everything like that. Well, we, so we've had half of the company have leadership turnover basically this year. And I think we're, we're getting to the point where we might, we'll see where we end up. We might be able to fill that role too, by the end of the year. Um, And that doesn't count, you know, the dozen other roles kind of lower down the org chart that we filled throughout throughout the 12 months of 2020. Yeah, there's definitely been a lot to that. I was reflecting on a few other things, you know, something that I thought would work to grow the business that didn't end up doing it was like this in-app referral, like invite a friend in order to unlock more product functionality and convert it. And we probably could have kept going and pushing that longer, um, but we ultimately decided that we would get more growth by just saying, by making the base free plan a lot more valuable. And so as I was looking, looking back over a lot of what we had listed out, it was, there's definitely a lot of hope of like, this is how much is going to be driven by uh, referrals from other customers. And, you know, that didn't work out the way we wanted. So we had to pivot away from it. Yeah. And and when we modeled out this year, you know, we, we did have kind of a round number we wanted, which was 500,000 free accounts created this year. You built a good model showing how many needed to come from marketing, how many we expected to come from referrals and a substantial portion of the gap, something like 200,000 total accounts were supposed to come from referrals, I think. And the other 300, 350 were supposed to come from non-referral marketing. 
And so from that standpoint, you know, we've done a decent job of getting the volume we were looking for. It's just that for some reason, the whole like Dropbox model didn't work for ConvertKit. Either we didn't hit on the right value proposition or it's just not as shareable or um, ubiquitous of a tool where people know others to refer in. Uh, and so it didn't work for us. So that's an interesting learning, just thinking about, you know, modeling and what happens if one key factor is wrong in it, how far off you can end up from your goal. Yep. Yeah. Another one that I found interesting is we talked about ConvertKit being for creative artists. That was something coming out of last year. We said, we don't know when exactly we're not like pivoting to go all in on, on music and creative artists, but like we want to grow in this area. And we touched on our events budget and how we had Haley, who's uh, coming on as uh, one of the co-hosts of the show. You know, she ran all of our events. She had us booked out to sponsor all of these events. We had a beautiful new booth design. We had all of the stuff, right? We're, we're ready to go meet creators in person. All of that gets canceled. And so then she, well, I mean, why don't you tell this? <laughs> she comes to you with, <laughs> like, what do we do? And it was something something in between a like panic and a brilliant idea. Or maybe it was exactly at the intersection of those two. And I'm sure in her mind, she was like, okay, my job is events. We've just entered into a situation in which no events are going to happen for the foreseeable future. I am screwed. Like I am the first person on the chopping block, if anyone's on the chopping block. And that was never going to be the case, right? From our standpoint, but you can totally get how from Haley's point of view, that's naturally, if you're a strategic thinker, you're going to go straight there. And so on some level, she's like, all right, what am I going to do with my time to provide value to this company this year? And she pitched this idea of, I don't know if it was framed as essentially NPR tiny desk concert meets our creator stories that we do, or I am a creator. Uh, but basically she said, look, why don't we do live at the time? It wasn't fully performances. It was more just like live at home sessions with interesting creators to build community and to provide interesting content. And it all started with uh, working with one of our food blogger customers, who's a friend of Haley's, to do a live cooking show. That was kind of the trial run. And I don't know what they did, some delicious dinner uh, at like 4.30 or 5 mountain time where people could participate. It was just like a cooking show, you know, on a network. And it was a ton of fun. We were like, okay, there's promise here. And and Haley's been really great about asking for feedback. And she kept coming back. And, and we basically just said like, look, if this is going to work, we're going to have to do it for at least two years before anyone cares. And we're going to have to get better every single time we put one out. And so just plan for that, you know, plan for the fact you're going to have to be in this for a long time. Well, fast forward. And I don't know how many we've done. I, I think it's like uh, in the thirties or something like that. Um, 30 plus creator sessions. At least 20. Yeah. Let's call it 25 uh, with names that are well known, you know, uh, Drew and Ellie Holcomb, Lynn and Stella, just so many cool Matt performances. Carney, so One of the ones that really sticks out to me, I'm going to forget the artist's name right now, but the artist who had the DJ and did the painting. Pat Casa. Uh, Pat Casa was so good. Just fascinating creative artist that they brought to life. And now going into the new year, we've got this template basically where coming out of the pandemic, it's just going to get better. So the crew is currently working on a little preview uh, for all of you people who listen to the podcast. Crew's currently working on uh, creating a set for our studio where we record our, like Haley records the intros and everything. So we'll have that all ready to go. And then they're starting to lay plans for what might it look like to film in person. 
And what might it look like to have small audiences in person for these sessions at some point when that's possible again? And so we've got this new channel where some of these sessions have gotten hundreds of thousands of views yep. on them. A lot of them have. Yes. And so we're going in the new year with all this momentum on that front too, where the vision that you you kind of laid out that we, we laid out together for Haley was this should be a key stop on a musician's kind of album release tour, a documentary's like campaign to win an award from their new documentary, you know, that kind of thing. This That's what creator sessions should be. And I think we're well on the way to that, which is huge. Yeah. And it's crazy that it all, you know, we like to look back at our master plans that we came up with and then how we executed on them. And this all came from, it came from two things. One, a, a couple sentences in a long-term planning document about how we wanted to serve musicians and to have far more musicians in our audience. That's like a, a direction that was out there, but no one was actively working on. And then it came from a global pandemic and everything getting canceled and all of our plans failing. And so the point that I want to make is when you can align, when you can be clear on where you want to go long-term, then all of these things that that come in and, and disrupt all your plans and all of that can result in a change that actually accelerates, you know, these long-term plans. And now so many of these, these artists have switched to ConvertKit as a platform. And so like the list right now of who uses ConvertKit is so long. Like I actually did that the other day. I went through, I'll have to work on making this Spotify playlist public, but you can listen to a ton of incredible music on Spotify. That's just artists who use ConvertKit to connect with their fans. And uh, like, I was listening to Rose's, um, one of her songs the other day. And it's like, oh yeah, she's an artist uh, who does that. Ingrid Andress came on and she's got an incredible creator session. So there's just so much stuff there. And it it really came, you know, <laughs> that's been a great positive to the disruption of plans this year. Yeah. And I think that's going to, well, we know, all right, we have every intention to accelerate that in the new year. I, for one, no one will be surprised. I'm excited about starting to bring on some hip hop artists, hopefully in the new year and kind of continuing to expand there. Okay. So before we kind of wrap up though, like uh, we'll put a bow on that one. We know that that's happening and has happened this year. I'd love to just talk a little bit more about mm, the creator market and kind of the role, the place we see ourselves playing. So I think we've gotten a lot more clear on who we want to be or continue to try to be in the market and also where that kind of means things are going for the creator economy in the new year. Yeah. Oh man. There's, uh, there's so much about the creator economy, what happened this year of companies getting acquired and merging and, you know, launching new features. And I think we've talked about the convergence a lot for ConvertKit. You know, we've been, we've been email marketing for everyone, then email marketing for bloggers and then email marketing for creators. And that's the space that we've lived for so long. And now we're just saying, hey, we're the leading marketing platform for creators where, you know, you can go to build your audience and connect with them and then earn a living. And so that's been such a big change. And I, I think that, like, that's really clear that people see where we're going. I'm like, oh, I see how the landing pages and newsletters and automations and, and products all fit together where you could grow an audience and earn a living all in a single platform. And so we'll just see that continue to accelerate. Yeah, for sure. We, I think we both have always had this fear of all-in-one platforms and the implications that come with them and the low quality and the bad customer service. And just, there's so many things that get wrapped up in that. And I think we did a lot of work to battle our own stereotypes and looking at ourselves and realizing that 
those are just the worst examples of all-in-one platforms. It's not all examples. And when you look at some of the best platforms in software, they are, they do a lot of things really well. You know, whether it's Square as an example of this for kind of retail businesses or whether it's Intercom for customer communications, especially for software companies. Um, or Stripe. There, Stripe. Yeah, Stripe is, is another example. great one. And, and they make world-class products across a number of different kind of what would be considered verticals normally, but they're all integrated into one platform. And we just realized, oh, okay, we're that kind of thinkers or those kind of thinkers. We're those kinds of executors and planners. And so let's just build the best platform in these different areas rather than saying, well, to be all in one, we have to sacrifice quality. No, let's just make great quality across each area of the app. And, um, I'm, I'm excited to continue to bring that to life. It feels like we're going to really, really, really be able to drive towards our mission of helping creators earn a living directly through the platform, not indirectly, which is just really exciting. Well, I think the biggest thing is that, like, as we've seen success in some of these other platforms that have come up, right? Like the Substacks or an OnlyFans or so many of these things. Part of it is that people don't need a ton of platforms. You don't have to glue together a lot of things to, to make it work. Because even with, say, like a Patreon, um, it's meant to augment um, mm -hmm. YouTube or mm -hmm. your podcast, right? It, it is an add-on. Whereas Substack, as an example, is like, it's a complete thing. It's a very simple thing, but it's, it is complete as far as growing an audience and, and earning a living. And I think what we saw is that creators really want that. And not only that, but we can execute on it really well and keep the high quality of product development as well as keep it this, instead of this walled garden system, we can make it where people can plug in other tools. You know, like for example, our, our dashboard reporting that, you know, of course, products that you sell on ConvertKit are front and center. But if you have merch that you sell on Shopify and a course that you sell on Teachable, it's all blended right there into a single dashboard for you. Um, rather than being like, oh, well, because I do one thing here, I can't do this other thing yeah. over here. So we think we can have the best of, you know, an all-in-one creator platform with being just as inclusive of any tool that does one part better. Totally. I've always had this dream of giving giving creators a, a kind of one-stop shop of the absolute essential analytics for their business. And um, having that customer fan journey that you're able to view, um, that's one thing that we're going to continue to move towards is... Uh, if you can imagine like seeing a, an individual, like let's say I subscribe to your email list and you see I subscribed and then maybe I paid you for your newsletter and then I opened the next 12 emails and then uh, I bought your latest product over on Shopify and then later I bought a digital product on ConvertKit. You're going to be able to see all that in one place. It's just going to be very powerful as people continue to dive in and take full advantage of the tool from end to end, which is very exciting which I said several times, but I really do have so much energy towards it because it's the things that we wished existed that didn't when we were trying to build all of this. It's like you had, do you just think about the number of tools and the number of things we had to learn? It was a pain. It's a pain in the butt along the way. And we're trying to make all those pains a lot easier. Yep. Well, I think that's probably a good place to, to end our recap. There's obviously so much more that has happened, but we would encourage you to, you know, listening write your own recap, you know, whether put it in your journal or something else, I'm going to write up, you know, a full year in review post for my own blog. 
I think for the, this will be the ninth year in a row. And I would just say that to have that snapshot of your mindset, what you thought was possible, your goals and what, you know, was important to you every year for nine years in a row is pretty incredible. And so if you start it now, you'll really enjoy looking back to it uh, next year as well. Yeah. Yeah. No doubt. Uh, two things. We've got two more episodes we're going to do this year. Um, so we're actually only going to get to 98, which is going to be so annoying. However, <laughs> I will take it as a win. Um, Friday is going to be the last Q&A uh, episode that will be primarily hosted by us. We'll obviously be back regularly uh, with the new hosts, but with us too, last Q&A of the year. So get your questions in. We'd love to hear them either by email or on Twitter or wherever ahead of time. You know, ask us those deep ones, the, the AMA style questions. We'd love to hear them. And then I'm going to say this now, uh, and you're going to deal with it. Monday next week is uh, our, our last episode of the year. Last episode is primary host of the show. We'd love to hear your favorite moments from the show and kind of do a look back at uh, 2020. And we'd also love to hear moments from your businesses and just kind of cel- celebrate some of you. I think that'll be a really fun to kind of wrap up as a celebration of your favorite moments of the show uh, or as an audience kind of like heckling us or having fun in the chat. And then your favorite moments from your business as a creator. You can send those to our email addresses. <laughs> Nathan at convertkit.com. And Barrett at convertkit.com. So if you drop us a note with your favorite moments from the year, we'll share them on the last episode of the year next Monday, the 21st. Sounds good. Um, for a resource of the day, uh, I'm just going to plug a new show. Came out today. Uh, it is called Art of Newsletters, episode one. And so it is the continuation of the Nathan Berry show, but it's called Art of Newsletters. So this is both episode one and episode 17, just to make things confusing. If you go to nathanberry.com slash 17, it'll take you right there. Um, but you can find, it's a full video podcast. First episode is with David Perel, and we talk about how he grew his Twitter following to way over 80,000 uh, followers and his newsletter and everything else. But I'm also dropping clips uh, on all the social channels and there is a full transcript as well if you want to check it out. So every week coming out on Mondays will be a new episode of doing a deep dive into a newsletter creator's business and how to learn, and, you know, how they grow and monetize their audience. It's awesome. Love it. Looking forward to listening to it myself. All right, y'all. Uh, have a good week. We'll see you on Friday for Q&A. Sounds good. See ya. Thanks for listening to this episode of The Future Belongs to Creators. If you didn't pick it up from the show, we make a tool called ConvertKit, where we're on a mission to help creators earn a living by building software that helps you build an audience of loyal fans. If you want to give ConvertKit a try, you can go to landingpage.new to launch your next creative project. You'll be able to build a landing page and send emails for up to 500 subscribers totally for free. So again, that's landingpage.new. You can get started with your free ConvertKit account today. Yeah.